Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast, featuring Dr. George Cannon. This podcast is a ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church. Finding Clarity seeks to answer your questions about Christianity. Here's George as he looks at this week's question. Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast. This is George Cannon, and you are listening to episode 122. The Finding Clarity Podcast is a podcast ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church where we seek to answer questions that you might have about Christianity and the Christian life. So each week we put together a podcast and we look at one question that is on your mind and you're like wanting to find an answer for from the Bible. And this might be a question that you're wrestling with, or maybe somebody you know is wrestling with, and you want to know how to answer them. These are also questions that you wouldn't necessarily hear in a morning service, in Sunday school, or even in a Bible study. But these are questions that you face in your life, and you'd like to know a biblical answer for them. And today's question in particular is one that all of us have to come to grips with at some point in our Christian life. And this is especially true when you are new to the faith, when you are newly walking with Jesus Christ. And so you're kind of wondering about some things that are going on in your lives. And that's especially with regards to your sin. Because have you noticed when you come to salvation, you and I continue in sin? And we recognize that that sin causes a problem in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what usually happens is is that at some point you begin to wonder, could I possibly lose my salvation? And that's the question we're going to look at today. Is there any way to lose your salvation? Is there any way to lose your salvation? And we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today with regards to this question. So here's how we're going to approach it. We're going to first look at the whole issue of being disqualified. Now I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Then we're going to look at the issue of the security of salvation. What does the scripture say concerning the security of salvation? But we're going to end this with a warning, with a warning, because you might come to a false conclusion after the second point, and we want to give you a warning that the scripture gives to you and I. So let's talk about this whole issue, first of all, about being disqualified. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you and I understand that there, especially in the world of sports, that you and I may enter into an event to compete in something. And if you are not fulfilling the requirements to compete, you become disqualified. You are no longer able to participate. And when we talk about being disqualified, we're talking about the whole issue of is there something that would disqualify you from salvation? Is there something that would disqualify you from salvation? Is there a sin in particular or sins in general that would disqualify you and therefore you would lose 
your salvation. So I have several points I want to make with you concerning this whole issue of being disqualified. Here's the first thing I want to point out to you. It's actually a question. Which sin endangers salvation for you? You've got to ask yourself that question. Which sin endangers salvation for you? And what you're going to see is that there is no list in the scripture of a particular sin that disqualifies you from salvation except one, unbelief. That is, flat out not believing who Jesus is and rejecting him. And if that were true, you couldn't experience salvation in the first place. And so what happens is, is that when somebody talks about losing their salvation, it's because we tend to look at a particular sin in our lives, look at a particular sin in our lives, and ignore other sins. And so I want to bring up a second point here that you need to be aware of. The reality is, is that we are carnal and we sin ignorantly. The reality is, is that we are carnal or corrupt. We inhabit bodies that have been trained in sin. And oftentimes, and the scripture very clearly points this out, that you and I can sin ignorantly without even knowing about it. Even our good deeds can be sinful. So the reality is, is back to that original question, which sin endangers your salvation? Because usually when you see somebody struggling with this issue about whether or not they've lost their salvation, it's usually because they are focused on one particular sin. But the question is, what about the sins that you don't know about that you do? Do those disqualify you? So the reality is, is that we are carnal and sin ignorantly. Now, this brings up my third point. We categorize sin. God does not. We categorize sin. God does not. So this, some of this comes from our church background history where, for instance, the Catholic Church has a list of mortal sins, a list of mortal sins that will damn you. There are other sins are called venial sins. So we have a tendency to categorize sins. But I'm going to be honest with you, with God, that's not true. God doesn't categorize sin. All sin is sin to him. In fact, the chief of sins, that is the most deadly of all sins, is pride. Now, usually you and I suffer from pride, but when we suffer from pride, we don't usually think of that in, in terms of disqualifying us from salvation. So we categorize sin. God does not. And this is because of my final point that I want you to see here with regards to this issue of being disqualified. And that is, all sin results in death, in spiritual death. All sin, no matter what it is, results in spiritual death. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
the reality is, is that the outcome of all sin is death. And by that, I mean all sin, whether you're an axe murderer or you're just a liar, it's all resulting in the same issue, spiritual death. All sin is on the same level with God. And so you and I need to understand that. Now, that's very important that you and I grasp that because, again, I need to mention to you that when we talk about the issue of you questioning whether you can lose your salvation or not, it's usually because you are focused on one particular sin in your life to the neglect of other sins in your life, sins that you may be even doing right now that you are not aware of at this moment. But the reality is that all sin is worthy of death and punishment. And all sin is why Jesus went to the cross to die for us. So now that brings us to the issue of the security of salvation. And so I want to make a few points here to help you to understand. First of all, the covenant of salvation was established by God, not us. The covenant of salvation was established by God, not us. And a beautiful illustration of that point is found in Genesis chapter 15, where God tells Abraham to take a certain amount of animals, cut them in half, lay them in a certain way with the birds, and basically that's known as cutting a covenant. And then when you see that, he enters into a dark trance sleep and he sees a burning furnace. He sees the presence of God coming down through the midst of those animals because he's establishing a covenant. Now, normally in their time, two people would enter in through the animals and make a covenant with each other. Here, God is the only one who enters into the covenant with them that he makes with Abraham and gives him these promises. So it was not based on Abraham, it was based on God. That is a beautiful illustration of this whole concept of salvation that we see through the new covenant, which is through Jesus Christ. It is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross not because of what you did or didn't do. In fact, you and I would both agree that there is nothing you can do for salvation. Jesus did it all for you. So then why is it then incumbent upon you to do something to keep it? You can't because I've already mentioned you sin. You continually sin. And so to help you to further understand the whole issue of the security of salvation, I need you to consider these other points that I'm going to make here. Here's the second one. The Holy Spirit was given to you in order to ensure our salvation. The Holy Spirit was given to us in order to ensure our salvation. Listen to what Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians from chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. 
Now, do you see what he's saying there about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was given as a seal to us, meaning that we belong to God now. And he becomes our guarantee of our salvation. Now, notice who's the guarantee of your salvation? It's the Spirit of God. It's not you. Here's my third point that I need you to see here concerning the security of salvation. God upholds believers in their salvation. God is the one who upholds believers in their salvation. Listen to what Psalm 37 says. Beautiful Psalm, one of my favorite Psalms. Listen to verse 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And this whole issue of stumbling, that's the issue of sinning. But you're not going to be cast down. That is, you're not going to be thrown away. Rather, God is the one who upholds you. Here's my next point I want you to see. The fourth point here. Nothing can separate a believer from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 says. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, that's so wonderful. Well, here's the next thing I want you to see with regards to this issue of the security of believers. And it has to do with the reality that you and I do sin, but you need to understand this. Believers have an advocate concerning our sin. Believers have an advocate concerning our sin. Notice now what 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 2 says. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Notice what he says there. We have an advocate. He tells us, don't sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate. Now, notice now, he didn't delineate which sins. He just said sin. If you sin, you have an advocate. Now, this advocate's not just any advocate. This is the propitiation for our sin. What does that word propitiation mean? Well, it means wrath satisfier, anointing sacrifice. He's the one who paid the price for our sin. That's reality. Another beautiful illustration of what this advocate does is found in the minor prophets in the book of Zechariah. In chapter 3, look at what he says in verse 1. And then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? 
And Joshua was, was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. I will clothe you with rich robes. Wow, what a beautiful illustration of somebody who intercedes for those who belong to him who have sinned. That, my friends, is the security of salvation. That's what you and I need to grasp. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, George, you've answered the question. We can end this podcast now. Well, no, we can't end this podcast now because there has to be a warning given because there is a danger with embracing the security of salvation without caution in your life. What do you mean by that, George? Well, Oftentimes, people who are outside of our tradition of churches and in Christianity, there are some who believe you can lose your salvation, will look at what we believe concerning the eternal security of a believer and say that we are making excuses for sins. We are using it as a justification to do whatever we want to do. And sadly, it's true. If you look in our churches, you will oftentimes find someone who will say they are a believer, but they're forgiven and they can do whatever they want to. Well, I need to end this podcast answering this question with a warning because that's not necessarily true. What do you mean, George? Well, let me make three points to you here. Let me kind of point out some things to you here as a warning, okay? Here's the first one. The security of salvation is not an excuse for sin. Simply because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the fact that you are secure in that salvation, that doesn't give you the right or the excuse to go and do whatever you want and just say, you're forgiven. In fact, this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. He's answering someone who might raise this objection. So here's what he does. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Basically, Paul is saying to the guy who's saying, well, you're just giving, making excuses so you can sin. He says, no, 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 no. You can't experience the grace of salvation and believe that that grace just covers you to do whatever you want to do. That's not possible. Because when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you become a new person. And you've died to the power of sin in your life, and you can go on without doing it. Second thing I want you to see here. Here's a reality. Not everyone who calls themselves a believer is saved. Not everyone who calls himself a believer is saved. Listen to what 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says. 
He's talking about folks who were a part of the church, who claimed to be a part of the church, who claimed to be believers, but they weren't. Listen to what he said. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest. Not None of them were of us. So here he's talking about people who claim to be believers, but they go on and continue in the world, live in the world, act like they're a part of the world, but he says they're not of us. They're not saved. They're not a part of believers. Here's my third point. Those who continue in a sinful lifestyle are not saved. How can you say that, George? Well, I'm going to give you three different passages. They say that. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians, chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Again, listen to what Paul says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And notice now, with all of these lists, especially when we looked at Galatians, it was saying, and the like. It's open-ended. It's talking about those who continue in sinful lifestyles. Now, here is, to me, one of the most devastating things Jesus ever said. It's actually a very scary passage. It's in Matthew chapter 7. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to verses 21 and 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Here's what I want you to see, folks. People who say they are believers, but they continue in a sinful lifestyle thinking they're okay because they prayed some kind of prayer, they're not saved because their lifestyles, their lives don't reflect who they should be in Jesus. So this is a warning. Bringing it all to conclusion here. Yes, we have security in our salvation. But there is no security in sin. That's why you're wrestling with this question in the first place. And if you are making excuses for your sin by saying, well, I'm just forgiven and you're continuing living like an unbeliever, the chances are you are an unbeliever. Something to think about.
Finding Clarity podcast is really an opportunity to answer questions that you might have about Christianity. So you're saying, George, I've got some questions. How do we get them to you, especially right now with regards to our COVID-19 situation when we're not meeting at the church? How can I get them to you? Well, there are several ways that you can do that. You can call the church here, talk to me and say, hey, I got a question. Or you can go online to our website, kerwinsvillechristian.org. Simply go to the contact page. You'll see a form there Fill that out, the question will come to me. You can also go to the Finding Clarity Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Podcast. We encourage you to like the page, but you can also direct message us through the page or write on the wall. We'll see your question and we'll see about answering it here on the podcast. Now next week, we're going to look at another question that has to do with the issue of prayer. And this is, again, something that is on our minds because oftentimes we'll hear others who pray this as a part of their worship services or as a part of their everyday lives. And you don't know if you should be doing this or not. So here's the question. Should we pray the Lord's Prayer? Should we pray the Lord's Prayer? Until next week, take care.